Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis 3 about the heavy warfare and conflict going on in the paradise of the Garden of Eden and the tactics that the devil used there and still uses in our lives today. This message is available for free download. Search for it on iTunes.com by looking for the Friendship with God podcast. You can download it and listen to it free on iTunes or go to friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, and you can also download it and listen to it free right there on our website. Now, Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher here on the Friendship with God radio program, is also the owner and operator of the Creation and Earth History Museum, and we're having Museum Day 2014 coming up here on Saturday, September 27th. So if you or your family or someone you know is in the Southern California area, we'd like to invite you out to Museum Day 2014. It's our ninth annual Museum Day. We've already expanded the museum, but we're also grand opening a new dinosaur and Bible exhibit. It's a fun-filled day that you'll have with your family. And you'll enjoy great speakers such as Tom Cantor from the Friendship with God radio program, Ray Comfort of Living Waters Ministries. He'll be speaking on apologetics in the last days. Jason Lyle of the Institute for Creation Research and what really happened to the dinosaurs. And even Eric Hoven from Creation Today talking about the flood, global or local, and also skeptics now and then. This year's theme is Noah's Ark. Matter of fact, we'll have a show called Animals After the Ark, which will showcase real wildlife animals, including zebras, zorses, and legless lizards. You don't want to miss this. We'll also have a Creation Kids Club presentation with the Noah's Ark Adventureland. We'll also have a two-by-two petting zoo, as well as games, rides, bouncies, face painting, and more, all for your enjoyment with your family at the Creation Earth History Museum. And our Museum Day 2014 will also be showing Ray Comfort's new Noah's Ark movie as well as the new Genesis 3D movie from Eric Hoven. And we also have food concessions such as Catastrophic Coffee, Ice Age Ice Cream, and Shim Ham and J-Pass Barbecue. But our Creation Bookstore will also be open and we'll have a raffle that day. And it's free admission to Museum Day 2014 here at the Creation and Earth History Museum. We'll be open 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Saturday, September 27th. And we're located near Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, go on to our website for the Creation Museum at creationsd. That's creationsd for San Diego. Creationsd.org. Creationsd.org. Or you can call us with a question or inquiry about Museum Day 2014 at 800 247 3051 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Now here's Tom Cantor teaching us about the tactics the devil used in the garden and uses in our lives today. All right, so if you turn to Genesis in chapter 3, we're going to continue this morning. We're going to be studying this passage here about what happened in the garden. Great, great events. So follow along now as, as, as really looking at this again. Focus in on it and ask yourself the question as we read these things. What can I learn from this? Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the certain, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And they knew 
that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldst not eat? Now, the first thing we noticed is, is that, as we've said before, is that there's a very, very, very heavy warfare or conflict going on in paradise. Now, this is paradise. This is the Garden of Eden here. It's very interesting to us, you know. I, I subscribe to uh, Sail, Ma- Sail Magazine, and every year my wife go and I go through the same routine about the Sail Magazine. The bill comes for the following year, and she says, do you really want to renew the subscription to Sail Magazine? Because I never go sailing. And she said, and I say, yeah, for another year. And, and so, you know, we, the Sale Magazine arrives every month. And the truth is, I really like Sale Magazine. And, 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 and every month when it arrives, it just got to our house a couple days ago. I go and grab it and squirrel it away, you know, in a little hiding place. And, and then when I'm all alone, then I open it up and I look at all these sailboats on blue seas, you know, and I just kind of dream as I look at this, you know, and escape alone. I'm dreaming of sailing off somewhere in some crystal blue water where my only concern is when I'm going to get up to fill my ice cold drink or dive into the water, you know. I like to do that. And I sort of leave this world, and I'm sort of off in, in some land there until Cheryl yells at me. And then it snaps back into reality, and I had the thing, and it was sale magazine, and I go, until next time. Well, in this month's issue of Sale Magazine, there was an article at the end called When to Go. It's called When to Go. And you know what the article was about? It was about a husband and a wife who were both heavy career people, and they were in the race of juggling their careers and their responsibilities for their children and paying their mortgage and their housework and, and all the kids' activities and, and et cetera, et cetera. And they're in the middle of all this, and the article starts off, and here's the quote for it. He says, For dreamers of all ages... That's me. The idea of sailboat cruising has an inescapable allure. And the article tells how they sold their house and downsized everything to this boat. And they set sail for the Bahamas. And they just painted this picture of what it was like when they first sailed into the Bahamas. And the joy they talked about as they passed their first palm tree and spotted their first dolphin. They said, and, and all of it was summed up by three words. And they said, time just slid by. They said, time slid by. Well, that's interesting, I thought, until Cheryl yelled at me. But no, but then, then <laughs> turn to Ephesians chapter 6. And, and let's look at, a, with that in mind, that picture there, let's, let's ask ourselves the question, does that match up? with Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 18. So what does this say? Finally, my brethren, he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may, able to, may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not 
against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Does that kind of sound like the joy of sailing past your first palm tree and seeing your dolphins for the first time and letting time slide by? I don't think so. That's hardly the description of that. This sounds more like a storm at sea. Now, Paul is preparing us for what, the, what, what life is like for the believer. What's life like for us? He starts off by saying, when we boil it all down to its essence, that's the word finally. He says, when we get right down to it, and it all boils down to it, he says, what this life boils down to he says, my brethren, he says, if you're going to be part of my, the family I'm in and what you've signed up for, this is what you can expect. And he talks about needing strength and needing power and needing armor and needing breastplates and needing shields and needing helmets and needing swords. And he goes on and on. And you say, what do we need? All of this power and this strength and the armor and the breastplates and the shields and the swords and, and helmets and so forth. Because he says, you're going to be assaulted. You're going to be assaulted by an unseen but very real devil. By, by who he calls principalities. He calls powers. By rulers of spiritual wickednesses. And he talks about arrows uh, that are on fire. So in other words, they've been dipped in pitch and they're on fire. And he calls them fiery darts. And it's going to be a close conflict, body to body, wrestling with the sweat of it all. And they're going to come in like a flood to shock you, and then they're going to stay there like a siege to wear you out. And that's what he says. And if you said to Paul, well, Paul, what do I got to do? What's my goal? He says, your goal at the end of all of this is just be left standing. He said, just stand. Don't worry about the go forward. Just stand through it. He says, you need to be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He says in verse 13, you need to be able to withstand in the evil day. And then again in verse 13, he said, having done it all to stand, just stand. And then he says in verse 14, stand. And so after you fought and you, you held your ground against all the wrestlings and the sieges and the attacks and everything, he says, if you're standing, you did, you did good. That's what your goal is. And if you're standing, then you'll be still praying. And you'll be praying because you'll be continuing to believe that God is worth praying to. That God is good. And that you'll be still dependent on Him. And therefore, you're going to be praying. And he says, so that's why he says, stand. And the, stand, the mark that you're standing when all the dust settles and all the smoke is cleared is, in, is verse 18 where he says, praying always. You kept praying. With all prayer, and there's double emphasis, and supplication of the Spirit, and you're expecting, you're watching, and you've got perseverance, and you keep on calling out to God. That was the great thing about Mike Hayner. 
is that right up until the end, he was thanking God, he was praising God, he was appreciative for all of you. He told me many times, thank the people for praying for me. What did he do? He stood until the end. And so he says, so Paul says, what do you need to do in order to be able to stand? He says, first thing, he says, you need truth. He says, your loins girt about with truth. Thy word is truth. This Bible is truth, John 17, 17. We need to know the Bible in order to use it in the battle because this is our authority. This is the authority. This is God said this. And so we're surrounded by that truth. And not only that, this Bible is identified as, the, as our sword as well. It's the offensive weapon, as you know. And then righteousness. He says, you need righteousness. You need pers- positionally You need a righteousness before God that's not your own. That's the righteousness of Christ. That's the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to be covered in that righteousness. We just had the service this morning about speaking about the covering of the blood of the righteousness of Christ. The blood of Christ speaks of his righteousness. We need that, not to rely on our own righteousness, on our own good works in order to merit our our, our self before God. No, no, no. We need righteousness of Christ. But we also need personal righteousness. There's one thing that will knock us out of the game. It's a personal sin. It's a moment of a bad decision. It's an indiscretion. It's a mistake or whatever you want to call it. And it can very easily knock you off for life. It can. It can. So he says righteousness. And then he says preparation of the gospel of peace. You know what that is? That's being occupied with God's business. God has a business. He wants us to be reconcilers of lost sinners to, to, uh, to a forgiving God. That's, that's God's business. God's business is to come to seek and to save that which is lost. And when we are occupied with that business, then we're going to be also in a position where we're going to be able to stand. And then he says, faith. He said, the shield of faith. In other words, believing what this book says. Believing this book. And then, as we mentioned, prayer. Now, that kind of language is nothing like sailing off and watching time slide by. Because it's, it's more like redeeming the time because the de- days are evil. So the first thing we see about the normal life of a believer is this described very graphically as a without a doubt warfare. And we need to know that our enemy is an attacker. That's what the word Satan means. It means accuse from its root or attack. His normal mode is to attack or he's an accuser. He's not passive. And you might say, if that's true, then what's the value here that we come to this passage here in Genesis 3? In this scripture, God has distilled down to us essential facts of what happened so that we can study them and study them and study them. Why? Because you know, how, you know how pro football teams prepare to go on the playing field with their opponents? You know what they do? They spend hours watching the videos of their opposing teams. That's what they do. And they watch those videos of those past games over and over and over again. And as they watch them, their coach asks each of the players to carefully observe and learn about what are the attack strategies of the team that you will be facing. What are their favorite plays on the field? What are their individual strengths and weaknesses? And how, how, how well or how not so well do they function as a member of a whole team? 
but it's constantly reviewing. And they do all this so that when the time comes for them to meet this opponent on the playing field, they know exactly what to expect. Why? Because they've studied their enemy in action. They've spent time viewing those videos. Well, you know what God has given us in these verses here? It's the video. This is the video of the opposing team right here. And he's saying to us, study it and understand what is the the strategies of the enemy? What are his favorite plays? And what are his strengths? And what are his weaknesses? And watch it over and over and over again. So that's that's the great value of this passage here is, is to be able to study our enemy, the devil's tactics. So we saw the devil's tactics. We see the devil's tactics here. We saw the parallel passage in Matthew chapter 4. And just turn to that for a moment as we're going to look at something, a pattern here. Matthew chapter 4, verse 2. It says, The Lord was also in his place of temptation, like Eve, like Adam. Matthew 4. And what it says there in verse 2 is that when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, that's a long time, he was afterward a hundred. Guess so. Uh, I, I'd be hungry. I'm hungry if I fast 40, 40 minutes, you know. But anyway, he, he was hungry after 40 days and 40 nights. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. And you can breathe. He says, Bread. That's a fiery dart. Right there is a fiery dart. That's a flaming arrow that will do a lot of damage if it's not extinguished. Because that comes over, and if you don't put that arrow out, it's going to burn, 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 burn to a lot of extension. What's the flaming dart? Oh, the smell of the nice, hot, delicious, soft bread. I'm starving. And all i got to do is just command these stones, and they'll be, oh, I can smell it now. Smells like a French bakery here in the middle of the desert. And so, what do you do? What did he do? Well, he reached down and he got his shield of faith that we read about in Ephesians 6. And and with the shield of faith, he quenched that with the word of God. See him there? He reaches down with his his shield of faith. And and, in verse 4, and he answered and said, it is written. See, there goes the shield of faith. And he's got just the right verse. Man shall not live by bread alone. You said bread, Satan? There's another verse with bread. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. See that? The mouth of God is, what comes out of the mouth of God is more important than bread. So what he was saying is that, uh, as he raised his shield, by faith, I believe this, what Moses wrote. By faith, I believe that man shall not live by bread alone. All right? Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. Uh, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Well, well, this is really something. I mean, here Satan comes carrying his King James Bible and quoting it too. And so he says, um, he says, you want to use the Bible? I'll use the Bible. Now, so what happened? Again, what's the fiery dart? The fiery dart. The pinnacle of the temple. Wow, look at me, everyone. I'm on top. I'm on the top of the pinnacle of the temple. And watch this show. I'm going to jump off of this pinnacle, and God's going to carry me down, and what a following I'm going to have. And oh, everybody's going to be coming up and asking me to sign their Bible. I mean, this is really something, you know. That was a fiery dart. That was a fiery dart. 
Look how famous you can become like that. Look how, how you'll convince the crowds. What a spectacular show this will be. But, again, what do we see him doing? We see him, again, he's got to quench that fiery dart. He's got to put it out. So we see him grab his shield of faith and raise it up there. And he says, Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. What was he saying when he did that? When he took that out, he wasn't just quoting a verse. He was saying, By faith, I believe that thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And that, that was the end of that, that, that fiery dart. That went out, just like that. It was quenched. And then fiery dart number three is in verse eight. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. Just the best side. And saith it to them, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Now, here he says, the kingdoms. You know, he came to be a king. You know, where is he that's born king of the Jews? When he died, he was, they, they put that over his cross, the king of the Jews. It was the king. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. This sounds pretty good. I'm going to get all the kingdoms of the world. I'm the king. I'm going to get all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And I can all have it all just right now. Just right now. That's the fiery dart that came over to him. And that's what appeared. And so what does he do? He reaches down again. And we see him as he says, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written. And he, he picks up that shield of faith. And he, he quenches the fiery dart because he said, it's not just this verse, but by faith I believe thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. So you see how he does it? When the fiery dart comes, which has a great danger, if it's not extinguished immediately, he takes the, he takes the scripture, and he not only uses the scripture, but it becomes called the shield of faith. He says, I believe that scripture. You color me a believer of that scripture. I'm behind that scripture. Now, let's look back, and we look now at Eve and her time in the garden there. Didn't do quite as well. What tactics do we see as we, as we watch this video of Eve and the devil? Well, tactic number one in, ver, in uh, chapter 3 of Genesis, in verse 1 there, where is tactic one is this one. Yea, hath God said... Now, there's a little bit of a tactic in there. What is it? Is this really true? Did God really say this? How do you know God really said this? See, this tactic is to bring about a doubt that God really did say this. Did God really say this? How do you know God really said this? See, this tactic is to bring about a doubt that God really did say this. You know, it's the same tactic today. You say, are you sure this book is the word of God? You sure this has really come from heaven? I mean, maybe, maybe the Bible is not really what God said. Did God really say this? See, that's the first tactic. The, the tactic is, we can say today, for Eve it was similar, but the tactic today, the Bible is not really the word of God. The Bible is not really what God said. That's a, that's a fiery dart. That right there is a fiery dart, and that's the fiery dart of the Bible is not really the Word of God. How do you quench that fire? fiery dart? You quench that by, you say, you say Psalm 12, 6. The words of the Lord 
are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of fire, purified seven times. And as you pick up the shield of faith, you say, I believe that. I believe that verse in Psalm 12, 6, that, the, that these words are pure words, and the Lord gave them. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. Now, Tom Cantor, a Bible teacher, is not only a pastor, a CEO, a scientist, but he's also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries because Tom Cantor has a heart for the Jewish people. Being a Jewish Christian himself and coming to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, he wants to see Jewish people be reached for the Lord Jesus Christ and be born again. Now, you can be a part of Israel Restoration Ministries and winning lost Jewish people back to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you can help Israel Restoration Ministries in several ways. One, with your prayers. Two, by supporting us by going online to friendshipwithgod.org or israelrestoration.org, israelrestoration.org, and you can donate online to support Jewish evangelism or calling us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. We thank you for your gift and supporting Jewish evangelism, but you can also get a free gift from Israel Restoration Ministries for your lost Jewish friend. Now we have a form online at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can go online, fill out that form, and send your friend, your Jewish friend, lost Jewish friend, a free gospel gift from Tom Cantor. Now, you can also support those that are getting these free gifts by making a donation at friendshipwithgod.org or calling us at 800-247-3051, And maybe you'd also like to learn more about the Jewish people, their past, present, and their future, according to the scriptures. Tom Cantor's written a book called The Life of Joseph. It can be yours for a donation of $20 or more to the Friendship with God radio program. Call us now at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, or go online to friendshipwithgod.org to our online bookstore and search for Tom Cantor's book, Life of Joseph.